breaking out later in life. Imagine if that head trash was not there. Who would you be? What if I told you those fears were no longer a problem? What would you do? I'm Stephanie Costello, a mom of three, wife, and avid mountaineer. Beyond all of these, I am, very much like you, an average person trying to navigate this thing we call life. My goal with this podcast is to bring to light the truth about what intimacy really is. You may smile, feel called out, or learn something new. Either way, you will learn you are in control. Please join me in welcoming Kelly Mann who is a compassionate costume designer, visual artist, and fashion historian specializing in 18th, 19th, and early 20th century fashion. Kelly sees historical sewing education as more than learning beautiful needlecraft. It is a way to communicate heart-to-heart with others. She has recently finished her MLIT in Dress Textiles History at the University of Glasgow, graduating with distinction, and in addition to offering online courses, she researches, designs, and creates historical costumes and accessories for individuals and museum. She is also a visual artist and photographer whose work has appeared in Early American Life and Hampshire Home Magazine. She is passionate about art, history, literature, and historical fashion. She lives in New Hampshire with her husband and three toy poodles. This episode is brought to you by Safety in Freedom, where we help people own their power, embrace who they are, and break cycles. Are you struggling with deep, safe, intimate connections? and not sure how to navigate them, go now to safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. That is safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. And we would love to be able to offer you some support. All right. All right. Welcome to the Intimacy Truth podcast, where we have a famous fashion historian, Miss Kelly Mann. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me here. You are very welcome. I'm super excited to be talking about breaking out later in life. And some people are probably like, what does that even mean? And uh, having talked to you and hearing your story, I feel it's like such a powerful one for so many people to hear. So um, tell us, where did your journey start when you decided to break out of the norm that you were kind of stuck in that most people, most of us get stuck in? Right. Well, uh, I had, uh, when I was younger, I went to college and uh, I was a very high academic achiever. Mm. And then when uh, I got married, I started having children and I felt very isolated. I had always been very shy and very, very introverted. And um, I tried various things through the years as the children were small and I was raising them. And uh, one of them was sewing. I had always sewn for a long time. And I started getting into historical sewing and I was very intimidated at that point. So I thought I would take a class on sewing. And because I was so incredibly introverted, I felt like I just couldn't go to a classroom and learn in person. And Mm. so I decided I would look for an online course. And I found one at the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. And I enrolled in the course and they asked me for my portfolio. And by then I had um, done some work in photography and also in the historical sewing. So I gathered my portfolio and submitted it. And they said, well, you need to be in the MFA program for costume design. And I had never even known that 
something like that existed. So at that point, I felt like I found my niche. I, I was thrilled. All the pieces had come together for me. It incorporated my, my art skills, my uh, love of history, and the uh, sewing skills and photography skills. So I continued in that program and really enjoyed it. Awesome. So tell me, where did your uh, passion for history, histor history or historical uh, fashion come from? Well, I think growing up in New England and uh, being, you know, near the birthplace of our nation, we're kind of invested in a lot of historical uh, museums and uh, homes. And so I just kind of naturally fell into that. And uh, through my love of art, I studied a lot of uh, paintings from the colonial era and just really fell in love with that. And then the sewing just kind of followed along. That's awesome. And is this, has this been uh, your love of art? Has it been something that has sort of transpired into say your children or your parenting or how else does it kind of show up in your life? That's such a great question because <laughs> uh, my parents have little pieces of paper uh, that they had saved when I was like two years old, I had started to draw. And uh, when the kids were growing up, I would take them to museums. My husband and I would expose them to a lot of different art museums. We would do all kinds of crafts on, on summer vacation. However, they never really showed an inclination for doing things on their own until our son got to his senior year in high school and he started to draw, ended up enrolling in college as a double major, art and English, and he graduated with a dual degree. Our daughter, her, her story took a little bit longer. Uh, she just informed me yesterday that she wants to go back to college and she may choose graphic design. And so, uh, yeah, I know. So it just took one a little bit longer, but you can kind of see how there's that um, passing on of the art legacy there in the mm -hmm. family. It's super empowering, especially um, it's, it's considering our topic for today, like breaking free later in life, because you took those steps to break free later in life, which I don't think you've mentioned how old you were when you decided to break really free from, from what you were uh, used to dealing or living in with your life. Uh, and you're, you empowered them to also do the same. Like the fact that she's like, I want to go back to school and she's exploring these opportunities. It's because she watched you do it, which is really cool. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I was 51 when I enrolled in Academy of Art University and I was so self-conscious at that point. And mm. at the start of every class, when we would introduce ourselves, I always felt like I was the oldest student in the class. Mm. I often wasn't, but I always would make excuses for that. Mm. I mm. loved that too. When I, when I was in college, uh, I, I think it was ethics class in my criminal justice degree. I had a, oh no, it was, uh, I don't recall, but there I had, there's a student who was a 76 year old man going back to school to get his addiction counseling degree. He was a recovering addict and he wanted to help other recovering addicts in a much more advanced way than what he was doing at the time. And I loved doing projects with him, like it, out of anything in my degree, like I learned more from him and doing projects and working with him than I did with, you know, some of the, the teachers and stuff. So uh, I, when you told me that you 
you went back to school at age 51. I'm like mind blown. That was so exciting to hear somebody who would take that action and, and break themselves out of that, uh, monotony of just living life the way everyone else tells us we have to live it. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I, I did make quite a few younger friends, uh, school and it, it was fabulous to see their take on things, you know, compared to mine. So we learned from each other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then you even studied abroad. Like you really broke out of your introverted sort of mom, stay home kind of isolated state. Yes. I basically had never been anywhere by myself, but by the time I was nearing the end of my degree from AAU, the historical part of costuming had really drawn me in so much so that I wanted an additional degree. Mm -hmm. And the only place uh, that I felt was right for me was at the University of Glasgow in Scotland. Mm -hmm. So I applied and I was accepted. And then at the age of 54, I had to pack everything up <laughs> and move across across the ocean yeah and it was and so in the moment I'm sure you're, you're kind of talking about it right now like ah no big deal right but in the moment I'm sure it was like <laughs> yeah. I was terrified yeah I mean I sometimes I was so introverted sometimes I would wait for my husband to get home before we would go grocery shopping I was just not that I really had like agoraphobia but I was just mm. so introverted mm. and used to staying at home all the time uh, this really took me, I mean, way out of my comfort level. And I had challenges from getting all my bags off the conveyor belt at the airport, you know, finding taxis, getting to my first classes. I had never lived in a dormitory situation before. I had to do that, mm. <laughs> you know, as an older student. But, you know, it was very hard. There was a lot of crying. Yeah. Good. Thank you for sharing that. That's really special to share because that shows people that uh, when you have emotions around a different topic and you're feeling nervous or scared, it's okay to have those. And, and shoving those down doesn't necessarily make you feel any better and it doesn't make the situation any better for you. Allowing yourself to have those is, is really important. Um, and I love how you, you just like ripped the bandaid off. That's one thing that I, I get told a lot is like, I'm very honest and blunt and straightforward. And I use that ex example is like, I ripped the bandaid off and we really look at like, what is the challenge here? What's the problem here? Um, and so tell us more about your, your journey with the fashion historian, like give us some really fun tips or tricks or uh, facts that you love to share with people when they, when people are talking to you, like, what do you do? Like, how do you explain it to people? Well, I, I now have, I have two degrees and they work together. So mm. the first degree is actually costume design and that's designing the actual garments. So there's a, a, a bit of research, but also a lot of creativity that's put into that. And that, that design can be used for theater or film or an individual or an event or even a museum. The other degree is actually researching the impact of various factors on dress through history. Uh, we choose clothes for certain reasons and sometimes they're subconscious reasons, but uh, economics and politics and social uh, 
Moors all play into the clothes that we choose and the clothes that are available to us. And so that's an additional layer on top of the costume design aspect that really um, gives it the depth and the meaning. It's a relatively newer field and initially did not garner a lot of praise or support in the academic world because people always thought, oh, dress, it's a pretty dress, but there's way more to it than just something being pretty. Mm. Um, a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of history behind it yeah. that affects so many different things. There's a video I watched. It's like, I think from like the 1930s all the way to like 20 something, 2009, 2010, something like that. And the, they, they changed the person in each year, like the different stages. So uh, just having that idea of the, the variations and the, the ebbs and flows we go through in our, in our society when it comes to the, to clothes. And per, for myself, I kind of have this, um, I really love thrift shopping because usually those clothes are 10 years old and nobody has it anymore. Uh, so for me, it's like, if it's on clearance, then it's because nobody liked it and <laughs> I'm going to buy it because it's going to be ugly as sin, but I'm going to rock it, you know, as best as I can, because I want to not be following all those social norms. Uh, but so tell us more about uh, like some fun facts that you might have that are really uh, empowering to help people with, if there's somebody who's out there and they're like, I wanna do costume you know, work, working with costumes and, and sewing costumes and teaching people how to sew, how do I even figure out how to get started with that? Or if they're, they have like that peak interest, what was, if there was anything for you, what was the one thing that you took that uh, enhanced that interest? And then again, some fun facts you learned along the way. Sure. So uh, one of the main things is basically you do not need a sewing machine. If you think about it, the sewing machine was not in homes until 1851. Wow. And so up to then, everything was sewn by hand. So the impression that you can't get started if you, unless you have a sewing machine and a whole, you know, uh, sewing room full of equipment is not true needle, thread, good pair of scissors, and some very good fabric, and that's all you need to get started. Um, another fun fact is that uh, corsets did not hurt. <laughs> I and like that. Yes, they were not laced up so that the woman would faint. Um, that's a trope. That's a trope that's been promoted, not only by Hollywood, mm. but by um, opponents of fashion since women have been wearing corsets and women started wearing corsets or a semblance of a corset in the 1500s. And so that's how long the corset has been criticized. Wow. It's just not recently. Yeah, it's incredible. And then to think that the, uh, to go back to what you said about the schools rejecting this sort of degree in programming and, and bringing this into our world, it just shows, goes to show you how the certain people who want you to know the information, the whatever information they want you to know may not be all of that. And then to tie it all together, to see you coming out of your shell at age 50, to really bring 51, to bring all of that into the world and, and provide that opportunity to our society to really expand on our knowledge and our experience and our education and our human experience, like such an incredible gift. 
Thank you. Yes. Um, I, I really enjoy telling people not only about the design aspects and the fun sewing part of uh, historical costuming, but also the history behind it. Uh, dress history sits at the intersection of the Industrial Revolution. Mm. Also, um, the success of fashion was uh, it rested upon the slave trade, enslaved labor, wow. and it still does in many parts of the world. And so it also impacts the environment. Actually, fast fashion and the fashion industry itself is the second most pollutant industry next to the oil industry. Wow. And so, there, so this is why studying fashion is not just about changing silhouettes. Right. It is far reaching. It's, it's impactful. Mm, hugely impactful. And your story with it all is hugely impactful. Like I, I just am so fascinated by your experience and how you decided to go about the changes that you, you created for yourself. You found safety in the freedom you created, which is exactly what we focus on at Safety and Freedom uh, with our intimacy and relationship mentoring advising. And so thank you very much for being the person that you are and sharing your journey. And please tell us how can some of the listeners uh, get in touch with you if they're interested in sewing or just asking you questions about uh, fashion history and, and all the other very, and you're very eclectic with your skills, which is very exciting. Thank you. So um, I'm currently going through a rebranding. So you can right now find me on social media as Ren Historical. That is like in the little bird, W-R-E-N, Ren. Mm -hmm. And soon I will be so historical. That's S-E-W without the H. So mm -hmm. historical. And yeah, you can message me on social media or like my page to find out what's coming down the road because it's full of exciting things. Yes. Do you have any classes coming up? I do. I'm going to be launching a Regency gown course in September. And like you, I'll be doing a podcast in the fall. Yay. I, I hopefully I can, I would love to, to, to chat with you more about your historical stuff. It's so fascinating to listen to. Um, well, thank you for being here. And thank you for being you. Thank you, Stephanie. I really enjoyed it. You're very welcome.